Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us again this week. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out. It is the ultimate in commercial agent training. There's 21 videos. You license them online. You download them. Uh, not download them. You, you listen to them or watch them uh, from the cloud. Uh, all the brokers who get them around the country just go bananas. They really love them. Check, learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. Well, today we're going to talk about an interesting sector. We're going to talk about senior housing. And I think a lot of people look at senior housing as, as a great sector with the demographics and the baby boomers uh, getting older. Are, are we close to that yet? Of course, uh, the senior housing uh, industry was hit for a wallop with COVID, right? And a lot of challenges there. Well, how is the industry recovering? What's going on now uh, as we have the spike in interest rates uh, and, and, you know, what's going on with labor? I think uh, a lot of companies and businesses had trouble for, for a few years now of getting enough people to work. Well, let's find out from the source. Please welcome my guest. It's Beth Mace, and Beth is Chief Economist and Director of Research with the NIC National Investment Center. Beth, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, my first question for my, I think my listeners have and, and viewers is, is really, have, have we recovered in senior housing from COVID? You know, how is the industry overall performing right now? Well, as you mentioned, COVID was a big hit for the senior housing sector in terms of the drop in occupancy rates. You know, COVID targeted seniors and we, of course, do senior housing. So we saw a pretty significant drop in the occupancy rate uh, pre-COVID, which would be like the first quarter of 2020 to its worst point, which was in the first quarter of 2021. And during that time frame, we lost occupancy of, for senior housing in what we call the primary market of almost 10 percentage points. Um, since then, we've recovered pretty nicely. Um, and the occupancy rate today, as of the first quarter, is about 83.2%. So we're um, not back to the pre-COVID level of 87.7, but we're definitely up from the low point of 77.8%. So what happened during COVID is you may recall that demand um, weakened and, and move-ins weakened, and that was partly because of government regulations, but also operators wanted to do what was best for their residents. And they didn't want to risk having infection come into their properties, so they limited on their own a lot of the move-ins. And as a result of that, we saw the actual number of units that were occupied fall pretty precipitously. Um, and since then, all those units have been filled back up and um, we're actually at the highest level of units that are occupied today than we've ever had on record. And the reason the occupancy rate hasn't fully recovered is largely because during that time, there was a new supply that came into the market at the same time that, that the pandemic was occurring. So there's still new units, new competition that have to be absorbed or, or filled. And that hasn't completely happened. So that has left the occupancy rate below that level that we had pre-COVID. Yeah. What about the demographics for senior? I think a lot of people look at the aging baby boomers and say, wow, that, that should be an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've been in this industry for a long time, and we've been talking demographics for as long as I can remember. And the real big crowd of, of people that everybody's waiting for are the baby boomers. 
So the baby boomers are those who were born between 1946 and 1964. So today in 2023, that range would be the baby boomers range from age 59 to age 77. Typically, the age of someone in senior housing is about 83. So we still have about six years to go until we get that big boom. But that said, we're past the low point of births that happened in the 1930s. And that's relevant because if you were born in the 1930s, it's today in 2023 that you're actually in the 80 um, age cohort. So we're past that. So there is growth coming naturally from the demographics. But we have to keep in mind, too, that if you build it, will they come? So, you know, we're seeing a changing uh, demographic profile in terms of who the baby boomer is versus who the existing resident is. A lot more, as you know, baby boomers, a lot more fussy. They want different things. So I'm starting to see a little bit of transition in terms of what the value proposition is really to residents. And historically, the value proposition has revolved around like security and uh, room and board and maybe care coordination. And increasingly, we're seeing it expand into lifestyle and purpose and socialization. And during COVID, we saw that socialization was was limited uh, in general, in the general community, as well as in senior housing properties. And that's had really negative um, health benefits, uh, health uh, risks on a lot of individuals. So I think going forward, there's going to be a lot of focus in senior housing on wellness, and wellness would be defined, you know, as intellectual, physical, social, spiritual, vocational, emotional, and environmental sort of the modalities around that. And I think that with that and with purpose, I think that more people will want to move into senior housing because of what they can get, the benefit of that socialization and that integration with other individuals. Yeah, I mean, that sounds great. And I think that's what uh, would people be hopeful for. And how did COVID change or did it change kind of the overall public view of, of senior housing? I know when there was a few problem operators during COVID, it seemed like there was a little bit of bad press. Uh, have you seen any repercussions from that? I, I, my impression was we, we sell senior housing properties here and, and my mother's in one and I was really glad she was in one. I think she was way safer than she would have been at her home uh, with people having to come in and do what you do in homes, right? So so what's the, what's the impression over there now? What, what's your sense of that? Yeah, that's a great question. So Nick, um, a few years ago, did a study with NORC and ORC at the University of Chicago to examine that very question. And I think, first of all, it's, we spend a lot of time trying to distinguish senior housing from skilled nursing. And um, skilled nursing is where people go when they're pretty ill, and they're pretty fragile, and they're pretty frail. And we saw that the highest risk of, in terms of death, unfortunately, occurred in the skilled nursing properties. It wasn't nearly the same in, for example, independent living. Uh, we found that the measure of excess deaths was um, actually the same or even slightly better in the CCRC, a continuing care retirement community or an independent living community as opposed to living in the public at large. Um, this is post-vaccines. So there was actually benefit to you pointed, as you pointed out, to living in a senior housing um, property as opposed to living in the community at large. What about technology uh, in senior housing? How much uh, is that changing? And, and what are some of the technology that you think is interesting to, to hear about? Well, of course, we'd have to talk about AI, right? <laughs> and and uh, all the chatbots that are out there right now. So I think that uh, the AI technology itself, I think, is going to seismically change the world when it gets all figured out in terms of analysis, in terms of doing business. Um, we're looking at you know all the different ways that as a research person, as I am, 
of how it's going to affect some of the day-to-day, my day-to-day life in terms of how I do my research and my job. I think um, certainly post-COVID, we saw the use and the acceptance of telehealth um, that became really important that it helped a lot of older adults who didn't have to get in the car or get, you know, take a bus or, or use a van if they were in a senior housing property to get to see their medical practitioner if they could just do it from their, you know, their own house. So that benefited. Um, I think we see a lot of technology being used in, um, again, during COVID for doing move-ins. So if you want to do a property tour, right now you can do it online. Um, that wasn't so um, dominant prior to COVID. So we see it in the operations, we see it in sales, we see it in pre-sales, we see it in the, you know, the just the, the, under, the um, overall running of business in terms of how technology is used. And I think it will continue to be so. Um, you also see it in terms of functionality. I know some operators, not all, are using um, technology to help monitor the movement of, of residents in their rooms. So to make sure that they're getting up at the same time as they do every night or that their gait, their walk, is the same as it has been. So there's lots of really cool applications. There's a group at MIT called the Aging Lab that tr- does a lot of technology and aging. Um, and it's, it's pretty awesome. You should, if you're listening to this, you may want to check out the MIT Aging Lab. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know a lot of uh, our clients that uh, operate senior housing properties have had trouble the last few years with staffing and, and, and getting folks to work. Is, is that uh, being solved somewhat or is it still an issue? Well, staffing is improving. During COVID, there was a lot of agency or temp health, temp health that was used. That's way down from where it was. Um, if you look at, I track a lot of economic data, I'm an economist. One of the numbers I track is the number of people that are employed, specifically in the category that the Labor Department tracks of assisted living workers. And that now is above its pre-pandemic level of the number of people that are working there. So that's great news. Um, it's not the case for skilled nursing. Skilled nursing is still down about 14% from its pre-pandemic point of uh, number of workers that were there. And we're seeing an overall in the economy, we're seeing you no know, jobs have fully come back to where they were pre-pandemic. Now the issue is really um, what's going to happen in terms of um, the economy slowing if it slows because of Fed policy and higher interest rates. And today the unemployment rate is as low as it's been in, since 1969. So if that starts to shift up, there might start to be some um additional workers that might be willing or happy to work in uh, senior housing properties. So that would be, I guess, sort of perversely in the sense of the overall economy, but a good thing for our sector if there was excess labor or surplus labor that could come in and work. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, like I said, um, we sell senior housing properties and we see some of our clients in other sectors uh, really interested in senior housing. And one thing we try to share with them is, look, here. You're not just buying a piece of real estate here. Right? Uh, you're 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 buying a business as well and, and a service that's real important. And and when we see the operations of these properties day to day as we're analyzing them, and some of these operators are really good and do a good job, and and, and some just lack the experience, and then we end up having to sell them for them to to more experienced operators that know what they're doing. What advice, Beth, would you give operators to improve their ability to operate these facilities? Well, and it comes down to, you can hit the nail right on the head, you know, the operator is key and it is an operating business. You're taking care of older, frail people. So I think your, your executive director, that's the person who really manages that property on a day-to-day basis. That role is really critical to make sure you have the right person 
in my experience, the executive director can make or break of how a property performs. I think it's also really important to pay attention to work culture and to make sure that you have staff that enjoys and wants to be there. Um, the relationship between a staff person and the resident is really critical. The person who's taking care of your mother or um, a group of people that are taking care of your mother, you know, they're working with her in a very intimate way. And it's really just um, unnerving if you as a resident have to continuously train the person who's coming in to take care of you. Um, I remember when my mom was in senior housing, she had a certain sequence of things that she liked at nighttime. She wanted to do her teeth at a certain time and do this and do this and this and wash her face. And every time that someone new came in, she had to change that all up and teach them all over again. And it was really frustrating to her. And she deserved better than that, honestly. So I think the, your frontline staff is really important because they have the relationship there. I also think that operators have to make sure that they're properly aligned with their capital partners. And I think that they need to, in this day and age, with what's going on in the capital markets and the credit markets, I think it's really important that the operator is well aligned with their um, debt provider as well to keep the debt provider informed about what's going on in that property and if they're improving. And most, most operators are, in fact, most properties are, in fact, improving a lot since COVID. So the occupancy rate is up, as I indicated. So that's all, I think, really important for an operator to consider um, as they move forward. And one of the uh, risks that uh, multifamily seems to be uh, running into with the rapid rental rate increases they've had over the last several years is, is affordability. Uh, how is affordability impacting um, senior housing right now? That's a big, that's a big, big, big topic for NIC for where I work. Um, in 2019, we did a big study on what we call the forgotten middle, and really looked at what size and what needs that cohort had. So these would be the school teachers and the firefighters, that sort of cohort of individuals, and they're people that generally can't afford today's senior housing product for at least very long. And they're not, and they're wealthier than would be eligible to get any kind of a government subsidy. Our study showed that there are about 14 and a half million people that would be in that cohort um, in the year 2029. We also looked at their demographic characteristics, excuse me, their, their overall health characteristics, and about 60% of that group will have mobility issues. So the idea that they want to just stay at home and age may not be possible because their home may not be suitable for a wheelchair or for walkers or things like that. And we also know that the number of children um, available to take care of their aging parents is, is dwindling from seven to one a few years ago to, you know, to four to one in a, in a, if, as we go out to like 2036. So that's because people have had fewer children. So there's fewer children to take care of them as they age. We also know that divorce rates get higher um, as you get older. And so there's not a lot of caregivers for those individuals. And if you can't, if you don't have family to take care of you and you don't have the right income or you haven't saved enough, this middle income, forgotten middle cohort is a huge issue that needs to be addressed by the, by, I think we all need to be aware of it and policymakers need to be aware of it. We need business partnerships with government help to be able to really service this cohort. Right. And one of the things we're seeing in some properties is adaptive reuse where properties are being adjusted to a different use. Are you seeing that much in, in senior housing? I know some folks have bought um, hotels to convert. Yeah, I think it's possible. I don't think it's easy because the characteristics of a building differ a lot for senior housing. If it's purpose-built, you have the right configurations for, this, for the common space. You have the right configurations for the room sizes 
for the bathroom needs, for lots of things. I think for from an architecture and engineering point of view, the structure of a building is really important in seeing to make sure that your staff is most efficiently used. So for example, if you have a building that has long corridors, as opposed to a more of a hub and spoke um, architecture design, you're going to your staff is going to be much more efficient in a more of a hub and spoke because they don't have to continue to go and waste 60 seconds between getting into individual rooms, that kind of thing. So I think like kitchen design is also really important. It's all about trying to figure out how to make labor as efficient as possible with the space configurations that you have. And labor, regardless, regardless of what happens in terms of the unemployment rate or the economy, labor is always going to be a significant issue for our industry unless we do significant changes in immigration policy. Well, Beth, before you go, where might there be opportunities in the senior housing world today? Oh, I think there's lots of opportunities. I think among them certainly would be the middle income cohorts we're talking about right now. Um, I think that, you know, right now we're having, you know, a significant potential for um, some type of correction going on in the senior housing industry as well as all the commercial real estate. So I think there'll be opportunity there for investors. Are there any specific uh, markets or, or cities where there's uh, a large demand or maybe um, ideas for new supply there? Um, I think probably almost anywhere um, in the U.S. is opportunities if you if you build the right kind of product. I, in the last several years, we've seen the diversification of the product offerings from uber, uber, uber wealthy, high-end product offerings to lower-end properties to not so many yet, but middle-income properties. And I think you see operators choosing whether they want to take people to end of life or whether it's more of a hospitality model. So I think to understand your product in market and to really understand your competitive set, there's probably opportunities in most markets. That said, <laughs> there are some markets that are certainly um, re relatively overbuilt uh, despite the current conditions. And those would be markets you probably want to stay away from, it, at least in the near term. Right, right. Yeah, we we are we see that uh, a lot of times uh, we'll have somebody call us and hey, this land's great for senior housing, and our senior housing group will look at it and they'll no, it's not, <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's way overbuilt. Um, yeah, and and we go to your website a lot, and we're we're uh, 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 at Nick. It's nic.org, www.nic.org. Tell our listeners, Beth, a little bit about uh, what might be there uh, in front of the uh, paywall that that's free they can access. And then tell us a little bit about what Nick uh, does. Yeah, sure. So www.nick.org. Um, we have a lot of free information. We're just totally dedicated to tracking and looking at the senior housing industry. We're a 501c3 not-for-profit. Our mission is to try to create more housing and care options for older adults. And we do that. We have um, two big events, but now additional events as well, two conferences. We bring people together to talk about senior housing. It's where deals get made. It's pretty much the way you need to be if you want to be a player. It's a conference that the next one is coming up in the fall in Chicago on um, uh, September, excuse me, I have the date wrong here, um, in October. Um, and it's going to be in Chicago. And that's going to be a, a great event. Probably like two, 2,500 to 3,000 people will be there. And these are the deal, the deal guys. Um, the operators, the developers, the uh, banks, the lenders, and the equity group that are there. We're also having something new in September 27th to 28th in Minneapolis that's specifically focused on data and analysis. 
and it's meant for more the analyst level. And I think it will be really good to to draw people together to be able to talk with each other about how they actually do their jobs and get lessons from each other as well as listen to the experts and how they do it. Right. And are those available for just members or non-members? Can they go to these events? Well, we're not a member organization, so that the stuff on our website is free for anybody. You don't have to be a member. And the conferences are you pay a registration fee to attend those conferences. And on our website, for example, we have a really good series of blogs that we post every you know a couple of updates a week on current trends. I have a, we have something called the Nick Insider Newsletter, and I write a lot for that, just sort of talking about current trends and what's happening in the industry. Well, Beth, thank you for joining us. It's uh, good to see you again. Yeah, nice to see you as well. Thanks, Michael. All right, thank you. And thank you for joining us around the country. Uh, please do uh, share the show. Please uh, subscribe. Please reach out to us if you have any questions, and let us know what you think about today's topic. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.